Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. As always, we're going to talk uh, some key NFL injuries today, some stock up, stock down, and then we'll break down uh, a loaded Drew Offensive Rookie of the Year market. Uh, but we're going to start with Drew Holiday uh, and Celtics. So Holiday gets traded to the Celtics in exchange for Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, and a couple of firsts. Uh, the Bucks are still the favorites to win the East, which I don't necessarily agree with. But what do you think of the trade and the ripples into the outright markets? Uh, I think, you know, they, they put together, they tried to kind of shore up the big situation with the Porzingis trade, having three guys and hoping that two would stay healthy through the playoff run, I thought was a good strategy. You give away Robert Williams in this deal. Or Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday immediately, uh, you know, kind of backfills uh, a void left by the departure of Marcus Smart. So that's good. Uh, but now they're a little bit fragile on the big side of things. Um, if something happens to Porzingis this, this season, if he's, you know, if he's like a, you know, if he has a bad luck year injury wise, then I'm all of a sudden I'm a little nervous about how thin that front the uh, the front court looks. Um, but I think overall the Celtics ought to be favored. Um, I thought they were should have been favored before the Drew Holiday trade, and Drew Holiday is obviously a pretty important piece, particularly when it comes to point of attack defense. So, um, nice move by the Celtics, I thought, uh, most uh, notably because it kept Drew Holiday away from any of the other Eastern contenders. Yep, I agree, and I think that the upgrade from Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen and flexibility to Damian Lillard. Uh, versus the upgrade from Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams to Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. I think that's advantage Celtics. I mean, this team is just going to be stupid defensively. Uh, like their their sixth <laughs> best defender is Jalen Brown. That's completely insane. Jalen Brown's been like an all-D candidate in prior years. He's their sixth best defender, uh, yeah. which is nuts. Yeah, I think that this team... Just with the superior depth to the Bucs, uh, I think they're going to be, I think they've won their better condition to win in the regular season than Milwaukee. So I would make them favorite to have home court in any theoretical series against the Bucs. And I think they're just kind of better than the Bucs full stop. Uh, and I think there's some skepticism around the Celtics because of, you know, Jalen Brown dribbling the ball off his feet in these playoff series against Miami. And people think Chris Stapps is kind of soft and hasn't done it on the big stage. And, there's still some skepticism about Jason Tatum. And yeah, if they didn't have uh, six outstanding players and it was three or four <laughs> instead, then I'd be more concerned about that. But just the depth of elite talent, particularly that starting five, which is just 
uh, crazy loaded with just two-way talent in particular. And mm -hmm. I think there is some skepticism about Tatum in general and not considering him, you know, the same level as Jokic or Giannis or Embiid. And I get that. But at the same time, Jason Tatum is, what is he, 24 years old? Oh, yeah. He's like the, it, Jason Tatum's three months older than Desmond Bain. Uh, and Tatum's already like the seventh best player in the NBA. So he has scope to get better. And I think that the idea that he's not good enough to be the best player on a title team, I mean, he's got the best kind of two through six that any team has had in a very long time. And so that mitigates the fact that he's the seventh best player instead of the third best player or whatever. So I think that this team... Uh, should be favoured uh, to win the East. I think there's still value on their price to win the East at plus 200, uh, on their price to win the title at plus 400. I don't think those are monstrous bets, but I would say that on average, uh, the Celtics would be favoured in the finals. I'm not sure. I would probably rather back plus 200 East, though, than plus 400 title. I would think that there's that's slightly more meat on the bone just going through the East. And the thing is with the East... Unlike the West, there's just like there's just no one outside of Milwaukee that's threatening. I mean, the Celtics are going to be on average what minus twelve hundred in round one and minus yeah. three hundred in round two if they dodge Milwaukee, uh, and then they'll be favoured over Milwaukee if they have home court. Uh, so yeah, I think this is this is the team to beat. Uh, anything else on the Celtics, Drew? Yeah, they got to dodge our magic uh, too. Uh, to don't forget magic. about that. Um, <laughs> don't want to do the Celtics for whatever reason. They don't want to face the magic in round one. Uh, but no, I think all your breakdown is fair. I think the Celtics, they you know realistically you know should be thinking title or bust. Um, I think that uh, um, you know this being year two under Joe Missoula, it should matter. Right. There was pretty clearly some times in some series last year where it was like, boy, this is very clearly Joe Missoula's first run through this as the head coach. And with uh, you know a little bit of experience in his back pocket, he should be a bit better. Uh, and uh, in general, like Celtics haven't really gotten very lucky injury wise the last handful of years. It always feels like Tatum ends the season like on the bubble of is he yeah, going to get knee surgery, yeah. shoulder, yeah. you know, like he, he's he's banged up and. Uh, now they've all had like a full season off season to just get right for this particular year. I think that I think that sets up the uh, Celtics pretty well, um, assuming that the uh, the front court guys can stay healthy, that you get a full season out of Horford and Przingis, then um, the Celtics are the team to beat in the NBA, uh, but particularly the East. And I, I, I agree with your thoughts of just isolating East because, yes, the West is tougher. It's no guarantee that the Nuggets are going to make it back there. But boy, oh boy, do the Celtics have a defensive question about well, how are you stopping? Upping Jokic uh, in a final series if that's the matchup. So um, I think they'll probably, you're going to get the top overall seed. They'll probably have home court throughout the playoffs. And, uh, you know, this is absolutely the team to be beaten. Yeah. And just the last thing before we move off the Celtics, there's a popular sentiment that the Celtics are kind of soft in the playoffs and they don't take care of business. Like, it's just wrong. They're one of the most <laughs> resilient teams that I've ever seen in the playoffs. The fact that two years ago they're down to Milwaukee after blowing game five, and then they go into Milwaukee and Tatum outplays Giannis uh, in Milwaukee. Then they blow them out in game seven. They win game seven on the road in Miami last year. Their backs against the wall in Philly in game six. They're yep. clearly a mentally tough team. Yep. They could have folded in the Miami Eastern Conference Finals as well, down 3-0. And then they tie that up 3-3 and, you know, they're eight-point favorites in game seven before Tatum sprains his ankle on the first play of the game. 
uh, which I'm still upset about. Uh, <laughs> I think that there are any criticisms of the Celtics. I think it's more about, you know, late game offense and the fact yeah. that uh, they have an issue with turnovers specifically against Miami and Jalen Brown uh, is probably a little, he shouldn't be, you know, an elite number two option, I think. Uh, and he's not going to need to be now because there's Drew Holiday and Chris uh, yep. Porzingis and, you know, Drew Holiday after being, you know, the number three option in Milwaukee and often getting the best guard defender. I mean, now he's, He's just going to be able to cook against much lesser defenders, I would think. So I think this is a great trade for Boston. Do you think – are there any kind of like uh, old-school vet bigs that you think are going to want to work their way onto the Celtics? Because I, I, that, that again, like I'm going to be refreshing Porzingis' injury updates all season long because <laughs> that's the only thing that really scares me. Well, they already got my man, Wendy and Gabriel, uh, who's actually true. not terrible. He's not bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, they just need spot minutes. Yeah, you just need a kind of a Daniel Tice kind of equivalent to soak up some regular season minutes. They'll be fine. Just, so long as Chris – they'll have Chris Dapps on the, the rest plan and he'll play, you know, 60 games or, or whatever and uh, they'll get him right. Uh, and it looks like he's – the foot issue that he was dealing with seems to be a non-issue. He's uh, training and working out and everything, so he should – be good to go so yeah all in celtics they'll be the cheer again they've been the cheer the past two years for me uh and it's ended up okay for the most part certainly winning the east the first year last year not quite as good but uh i do think this is the best team in basketball uh the steelers are not the best team in football uh kenny pickett was ruled out immediately on sunday drew with a knee injury looked a little MCL-y. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not season-ending, though he uh, was seen with a brace. Looks like he's going to miss a little bit of time. Pat Frymuth did his hamstring as well and did not return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's some just additional injuries on top of that for the Steelers. Uh, I mean, how, how screwed do you think this team is? Well, I mean, the guys that they're losing... There's an argument to be made. This could be addition by subtraction. <laughs> Kenny Pickett has been miserable this year. Uh, it doesn't look like he's playing anywhere close to the level we saw him finish last season. I don't know if there are issues at play beyond, uh, you know, the current knee injury, uh, or if it, it's it's uh, kind of a um, more easy to pin this on Matt Canada conceptual framework that it's predictable. Um, it feels like the defense has the upper hand every single snap. Uh, particularly on first and long, you know, first and 10 and, and second and long. Um, and uh, that obviously puts them in pretty difficult to convert third down situations. And Pat Pickett looks like he's trying to do too much. Game's moving too quickly for him. I don't know that this is a downgrade to go from Pickett to Trubisky. As sad as that may be to say, uh, that's the state of this offense. And, um, you know, there, again, maybe something going on with the way Trubisky was trying to press. He was, he was pretty, he's pretty clearly been pressing. Uh, all four games we've seen him so far. And if Trubisky's playing a little bit looser and, um, you know, they are potentially, again, maybe a lateral, if not an upgrade, losing Dan Moore and bringing in Broderick Jones. He's been playing quite poorly so far this season. So I think there's actually scope for the Steelers to uh, look a little bit better these next handful of weeks, even though, uh, you know, they're dealing with all of these crazy injuries here. Um, We've seen this market against the uh, Ravens really start to move pretty aggressively already. Now, uh, look ahead. We were thinking something in the three, three and a half range. It's drifted out to five. Um, it doesn't really seem to be much appetite to back Pittsburgh here, even though this is always a competitive contest, regardless of the records. Jay, I don't know if you know that about the Ravens and the Steelers, but there's no love lost. Um, but uh, ultimately, uh, the big market move to the under makes sense here. 
Um, and I think uh, the fact that the you know the Ravens are dealing with as many injuries as they are, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, is worth paying attention to here. So um, you know, I don't have a I'm not, I don't have a burning inclination to bet Pittsburgh this week, uh, but I think you know as you evaluate this particular game and market, it's Pittsburgh or pass at this point. Yeah, I think there's, there's two things with Pickett to Trubisky. One, I think Trubisky is favorite to give the Steelers just a better baseline of play than they've gotten from Kenny Pickett to this point, which is about the second or third worst quarterback in the league in mm-hmm. that kind of uh, holy trinity with uh, Desmond Ritter uh, and seemingly Joe Burrow so far. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrow's in the mix now, man. Yeah, AFC North quarterback. He hasn't been great outside of Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that just Trubisky, like there's no upside. There's no upside of Trubisky. There's no variance. There's no chance that he can be, you know, a top 12 14 quarterback in the NFL, I would have thought. And there was that hope, at least from Kenny Pickett, just because there was less of a sample and potential that, you know, just with his youth that he could take a step this season, even though it wasn't looking particularly likely. So, yeah, I would expect the baseline of quarterback play to improve, but also the upside has kind of disappeared. Uh, The upside has also seemingly disappeared for the Patriots, Matthew Judon uh, has torn his biceps tendon. Uh, is going to be out seemingly long-term. Christian Gonzalez dislocated his shoulder, is expected to miss some time as well. Uh, and that's the good side of the ball uh, where those injuries are happening. Mac Jones was benched in the second half for Bailey Zappi and played maybe the worst game that Mac Jones has ever played. Uh, the Patriots, what's, what's the read on them going for? <laughs> I mean, this has got to be rock bottom. Uh, Bill Belichick's biggest blowout in his career, amazingly, um, did not, uh, you know, didn't kind of rationalize that as it was happening, uh, and really didn't watch much of the game because once it got out of hand, there was not really any point. The uh, if you didn't already know, the Cowboys are tremendous front runners. <laughs> they can put away a lead. Let me tell you, <laughs> you give them you know two touchdown scores, and you want to make it four, they can make that happen. Um, and uh, you know, so the Patriots were a little bit kind of at the whims of you. Know, Cowboys piling on, but um, you know the the defensive injuries are interesting because those are two pretty important players. However, I would look at the rest of the depth on the Patriots' uh, defensive side of the ball and just their ability to scheme interesting ways to you know get the best out of their uh, you know some of their not name brand players. And my gut says that uh, Belichick will be able to backfill the absences of Judon and Gonzalez just fine. Um, the bigger question is: Is the offense even fixable? Um, you know, the one bright spot that they had all season uh, was week three. Um, and even in that game, they only got to 15 points. Um, but it did feel like they at least got competent play out of their offensive line. And if you have Mac Jones running for his life, it doesn't, you know, he's not a guy that can operate the way that uh, Tom Brady could in terms of get the ball out in two seconds and really find create more creative ways to avoid the pressure. Uh, and so as soon as the offensive line kind of has kind of reached this new low, I think that has kind of unraveled the entirety of the offense. They don't have speed. Uh, they don't have, you know, true game breakers that they can really lean on the way that other, um, you know, offenses that are going through some tough times with some bad O lines can at least kind of get the ball in the hands of guys who are fast and, you know, create a little bit of space and take some pressure off the offense in that regard. Patriots are completely unable to do that regardless of health. And um, looks like Cole Strange is going to miss more time. He might be the best of their 
uh, offensive line interior pass blockers. Uh, Trent Brown, certainly the best of their tackles, but these guys are ailing and they're not playing well. Um, and I think uh, anytime they go get matched up against a team that has an elite pass rush like Dallas, that's what it's going to look like. Uh, and I think this is probably a decent opportunity to um, find a little something against the team in the Saints that are dealing with their own offensive issues and really haven't been, you know, as good of a defense uh, as people were expecting this season. I know that their, you know, their defense EPA per play uh, numbers look pretty good, but they've played they've played some pretty woeful offenses, and it should probably look a little bit better. Uh, and I think uh, just in general, the Patriots should be able to find a little bit of room to, you know, to do something in this game because the pass rush isn't going to be quite as violent. Uh, and therefore, you know, Mac Jones should be able to operate. I think, um, you know, last year at this time when they were, you know, truly lost offensively in terms of what they even wanted to try to be, I had more concerns, I guess. Um, the pulling of Mac Jones in the Bears game in primetime for Bailey Zappi was a lot more purposeful and kind of indicated, you know, some sort of rift. Uh, I think that the benching of Mac Jones in the Dallas game was there was no point in having him out there and Belichick said as much. So I don't think it to me spells as much about uh, a schism between uh, coach and, and quarterback here as what I thought one year ago. Uh, all that said, uh, they need to get right and they need to get right quickly. Um, I'm going to guess that the Patriots are going to be a bet on side this week because there are so many questions about what's going on with the Saints offense, and uh, you, they're not going to be able to answer those against a, a very well-coached defense, of, you know, even in the absence of Matthew Judon. So um, my inclination would be to watch this market, look for any uh, news about the health and uh, just a practice availability of some of the offensive linemen for the Pats. And if you're getting anything good there, then I think the, pa the Patriots are a bet under the, uh, you know, under the key of three. Yep. I think it's probably time to almost give up on Mac Jones, the guy who was, I mean, I think I've been pro Mac Jones for a long time. I think in his rookie season, he was 10th in luck adjusted EPA per play at the 12th best PFF grade of all quarterbacks. He was legitimately above average quarterback. And then it was disastrous last season. It's been bad again this season. And I think he's probably just one of those guys who needs you know, a perfect context around him to succeed in terms of, particularly in terms of offensive line play. He's never really had good receivers. Uh, but if any, he's not someone who is, you know, like most quarterbacks in the NFL, cannot overcome uh, a context that's bearing down on him. Uh, and uh, Saints-Patriots is uh, about as depressing of a game uh, yeah. as I can remember because the teams aren't that bad. Like, there's still talent <laughs> on them. Uh, when you get Cardinals-Bears, you know what you're in for. But just Pats minus one and a half home to the Saints with a total of 39 and a half is just just a little uh, little depressing uh, all <laughs> around. So I'm not sure there's much to, to grab from that game. But, we'll, get, we'll get to some of the better, more exciting games this week, Jay, like Jets-Broncos. Yeah, Jets, well, the Jets-Broncos might be a shootout, apparently, um, <laughs> given that the Broncos' defense suddenly is uh, the worst in the league. Uh, and, Justin uh, and Simmons Will is coming back this week. Broncos are going to turn it around. That's true, yeah. I uh, certainly don't understand how Zach Wilson outplayed Patrick Mahomes in prime time, um, but it did kind of happen. Okay, before we get to uh, the Saints' rival in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, get your popcorn ready for Sunday night, Drew. All the stars will be out in Northern California when Micah Parsons and the Cowboys clash with Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers. Coverage of this battle between two of the best teams in the NFC begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three and one. Drew, uh, as we get into stock up, stock down, they are co-favorite, outright favorite, some places uh, in the NFC South. Co-others with the Saints. Uh, their win total is nine and a half, uh, and they are a favorite now to make the playoffs. So, do you think this team is real? And if you do or you don't, what do you think is the best way to bet them? So, I'm going to go not real. Um, but that also doesn't mean that they can't very well win a very bad division. <laughs> they very, very easily could win the NFC South because Saints aren't running away with this thing. Uh, Falcons, you know, quarterback play is obviously an enormous problem, which means they're relatively one-dimensional and can't come back from deficits. Uh, and the Panthers are the worst offense in football. Um, it's not even about Bryce Young. It's not even about the offensive line or the lack of skill position players. Like what they are trying to do does not make sense for modern football. So um, I don't think they're going to ultimately turn it around this season anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, the Bucks are a bad team that could win a bad division. Um, and they are dealing with a, a number of injuries that I think matter. Their secondary is pretty beat up right now. I know that, uh, you know, you got pretty solid play from Vita Vea and uh, Devin White coming uh, into the game against the Saints when those guys were question marks, um, but they've lost more uh, secondary depth now here, so they are really down to um, some, some true replacement level players players um and that's going to put a little bit of pressure on uh, baker mayfield to continue to score with this offense i know mike uh, evans went out of the game and did not return i know that's not expected to be an especially long-term injury but boy oh boy does he matter um you know especially because his skill set marries pretty well with what baker mayfield is trying to do um and i think uh you know just in general um a bye week for the Bucks is probably good because the other NFC South teams are probably going to lose. <laughs> and so, you know, I think uh, obviously two coin flips there with the Saints potentially, you know, in or around a pick them against the Pats. And then, um, you know, the the Falcons still somehow, some way, a small favorite against the, uh, the Texans right now. But um, I, you know, I think the Buccaneers, I need to start to see some pretty positive reports about how that secondary is coming along health wise in order to give them an upgrade to being like a league average team. Um, and if they're up against a team that has uh, elite D line, good pass rush, then it's kind of an auto fade for me with the Bucs right now. Yeah. I think the sneaky thing with the Bucs is that 
last year they just had no pass rush whatsoever after Shaq Barrett went down and he's back and he's playing well and the secondary is competent enough and Baker has been competent enough and Evans and Godwin are good and the tackles have been fine and they're just kind of an average-ish team and average-ish in the NFC South is enough to make you the favorite when you've got you know a relatively easy schedule uh, to come, certainly not super difficult. And so I think if you believe in the Bucs, and look, they're a very uninspiring team and they don't generate any buzz, so that's why this is going to be difficult. But Todd Bowles is 18-1 to one to win Coach of the Year. <laughs> that team, team's win total coming into the season was six and a half. Yeah. And I do think there is some narrative. If they go 11-6, and six, which they only have to go 8-5 and five against the easiest schedule the rest of the way to get to 11-6, and six. if they win the division and clear their win total by four and a half wins and when everyone expected that they would be a rebuilding team and they actually improve by three wins the year after Tom Brady leaves, I think there might be some narrative push for Todd Bowles. I mean, again, they're just such an uninspiring team. And I don't think people think that Todd Bowles is a great coach because he's made so many conservative decisions. But I do think there is something simmering there. And I do think he should be actually a top five favorite for that award. Uh, and for instance, you compare him to, say, D'Amico Ryans, who is mm -hmm. half of Bowles' price right now. Well, those teams have the same win total coming into the season. Yep. Bucks are the favorite to win their division right now, and the Texans are the fourth favorite to win their own division. So, and I understand, look, D'Amico Ryans, I think, is more beloved by the media and just has a bit more kind of buzz around him, and that's a more exciting team. But the Bucks are more likely to get to 11 wins and much more likely to win their division. So, I think that kind of balances out, and those guys should be similarly priced. So, yeah, I think. Uh, I think there is a little bit of value betting the Bucks that way uh, on Todd Bowles. Hmm. Uh, the team that plays in D'Amico Ryan's division, the Jags, salvaged their season somewhat. Uh, had they lost that game to Atlanta, all of a sudden it would have been uh, kind of panic stations if they're one and three with losses to the Texans uh, and Falcons on their resume. But they win that all of a sudden. Stay as favorite in the AFC South uh, in a week where you know three of those teams won, so they needed to keep pace there. They're now five-and-a-half-point dogs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, against <laughs> the Bills. Uh, do you believe in the Jags at plus 150 to win the division? I do. Um, the big question is bet it now or wait for this particular <laughs> contest to come and go because – uh, yeah, I mean, there's been betting sentiment, market sentiment already that uh, it looks like this is going to push its way to six. Um, Bills are in a really just a brutal travel spot. I mean, we can we'll, we'll break this game down more later this week, I, I suppose. But um, kind of terrible to take a home game away from Buffalo and give it to the Jaguars in London, effectively, as the Jaguars are staying there and the Bills have to travel to London, which is a non-trivial trip. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think you know the expectations I had for this offense coming into this season were a lot higher than they have delivered to this point. Like this offense is still like seems very stuck in mud. Um, and it's confusing because they have an elite set of weapons to work with. And Trevor Lawrence has been excellent at evading pressure. Uh, he finally got it going on the ground with his legs, which is sort of kind of a dynamic skill set that he brings to the table that the Jags have never really asked him to use for some reason. Um, and you know, I think if you're, if, if, if he's adding that layer to this offense, otherwise, 
uh, then they are going to continue to improve and, and uh, you know, should should get better. I think where I've been disappointed with the Jags so far this season is it really hasn't felt like Peterson has come into any of these games with really good game plans for their specific opponents. And I know that, you know, they're dealing with injuries on their offensive line in terms of availability. Um, you know, suspensions and injuries have, you know, decimated that unit to a degree, but you're playing around it fine. Uh, it's just that you can't seem to necessarily sustain drives and you're getting a little bit unlucky uh, with, you know, when it comes to, you know, caught passes, turnovers, things like that. So maybe things just get better by, by regression for regression's sake. Um, but uh, I think you have to look at their, you know, what they've done so far this season and tip your hat to the defense being better than we expected uh, and the offense being kind of subject to bad luck. Um, and if their luck turns around, uh, and particularly if they get a win against uh, the Bills, who are the hottest team in football, I don't know if you know that, Jay. I don't know if you heard that, but they just beat the Dolphins. Um, the, uh, but yeah, the um, you know Jags win in this spot as six point dogs would uh, really swing that division in their favor pretty heavily. So um, I'm maybe more inclined to just take the points. I think it's going to be a competitive game in London with the situation that you're looking at here, travel-wise. Um, but uh, ultimately, they're the bet on still for me in division. Um, the big question is, who's the second best team? And right now, with health and performance, I think you have to say it's the Texans. Uh, uh, but I'm really, I'm really struggling to figure out how these guys ought to be ranked after the Jags. Yeah, I think the Titans flash more upside on defense than uh, I think was foreseeable uh, going into that Bengals game. Maybe the Bengals are just terrible, and we'll get to them in a second. But I do think the Titans just still, with the amount of talent on that team, with Vrabel, trust them more than the Texans uh, and the Colts and trust any of these teams, to be honest. But, yeah, I believe in the Jacks. I mean, so far they are uh, seventh in EPA per play as a defense uh, and Lawrence has the second best PFF grade of any quarterback, and there's still that huge disparity between their success rate on offense, which is good, and their EPA per play, which is terrible. So I think that's just luck, uh, and they're just getting unlucky, and they've been bad in high leverage moments, and I don't think there's anything to suggest that that is, uh, that that is representative of what the team will be going forward. So I believe in the Jacks. I think they're one of the 10 best teams in the league and i'm not sure anyone else in that division is one of the 20 best so i do think they've got a harder schedule because they did somehow win that division last year Uh, they have a harder (laughs) schedule the rest of the way but it's not that hard so i think that they should be fine and yeah and i i think the plus 150 is a is a bet on for the jags uh and that's probably i have to think about a bit more but plus 150 division versus minus 110 make the playoffs uh, I think that that's that's probably pretty close, but uh, I am a I'm a believer in the Jags, and it does help a ton. To your point, that yeah, they don't have to travel nine hours on a plane uh, to play uh, their formidable opponents in the Bills, so that will certainly help them. Uh, team that needs some help right now, Drew, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are only three point favorites at the Arizona Cardinals. Which, uh, if you'd asked me what I thought this line would be a month ago. I don't know. Double digits. 10, 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huge. They are now plus 600 to win the division. They're one and three. Uh, they are 35 to one to win the Super Bowl after coming in as a top five favorite. Uh, is there any sense in buying the Bengals at this point? Because they go Cardinals, 
Seahawks buy, presumably Burrow will be better after that? Or do you think that there's that this is just a write-off of the season at this point? Uh, I'm leaning more towards the latter. Um, the Bengals made a specific decision to try to push Burrow out there and through what he's dealing with. Um, the one win they have against the Rams felt pretty lucky. Um, and the, you know, kind of the, the writing was on the wall, uh, as you looked at not just the film, but you know, the, just what are they trying to do conceptually against the Titans that that's the way they're going to be, that that's the way they're going to play. Um, then it's pretty straightforward to prepare for, you know, how to, you know, how to defend them. Right. Uh, you don't want to be quote unquote solved in this league. That's a bad, bad place to be as an offense. And it feels like if the Bengals are unable to really attack downfield, then they're solved. Um, and it's not even that, uh, you know, that they are not taking chances, taking shots, throwing balls when they are, it's not realistic that they're completing those passes. And now, uh, you know, Higgins dealing with the uh, ribs, I think is not going to keep him out of games, but playing through as in a limited you know, without without practice in a limited capacity is not great. Uh, and I think the offensive line has been a wild bust so far, considering the talent that they you know, and the resources that they poured into that unit here. So um, if you're up against a well-coached defense, which the Cardinals very much are, uh, I think that you're, you know, you're going to be a little clunky. Uh, and I think that uh, the Bengals defense can perform much better than we saw against the Titans this last weekend. Uh, which makes this one a pretty obvious look to the under for me. Um, until Joe Burrow has, you know, complete ability to use his lower body to get, uh, you know, power into his throws, um, I think it's pretty clear that uh, the market is overpricing these Bengals totals. Um, and uh, I think uh, market a little slow on recognizing that the Cardinals are not uh, a tanking bottom feeding team. Um, they got beat by the mighty Niners pretty convincingly, but you know, that probably should have stayed right around 14. Uh, and the defense in general, we've seen flashes from the season that, uh, you know, that they don't belong in the conversation with the likes of the bears and the Broncos. So, um, I think the Cardinals, uh, can do just enough in this contest to keep it competitive. Uh, and, uh, I think the Bengals getting above 20 points would be a surprise to me. So, uh, under 45 is, uh, the look I like the best there. Yep, and uh, the Cardinals might have the quarterback advantage uh, in that matchup yeah. with Burrow in his current state. Certainly Dobbs has been the better quarterback to date. Uh, I think the problem with the Bengals is that look, they already have three losses, including two to the teams most likely to compete with them for the division in Cleveland and Baltimore. So they're down half the tiebreak there. And still on their schedule, they have at Niners, Buffalo, at Baltimore, at Jacksonville, at Kansas City. They're going to be underdogs in all of those games. Uh, and then in addition, you got another game against Cleveland as well, Minnesota. Like it, There's just no real layups uh, on the schedule. So I think the Bengals are in trouble and uh, rightfully are well behind the Ravens in particular, but also Cleveland in that division. All right, before we get to Offensive Rookie of the Year, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday, Drew, during the football season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon, re-airs at 4 p.m., and is available on our NFL and NBC Sports YouTube channel, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Offensive Rookie of the Year. This is the most loaded class uh, I can remember in a long time where we have a guy right now who has 501 receiving yards through four games and leads the NFL in receptions and would probably come fourth in Offensive Player of the Year if the vote were held right now. And he's not a top two favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm not really sure he deserves to be either. Uh, Well, I don't think he projects to be in the top two. CJ Stroud is the favorite at plus 175. Bijan, 4-1, Puka Nakua, plus 450. And then you get to Anthony Richardson and uh, Devin Achan, who has been the best running back in football by PFF grade and can't even crack the top four of favoritism in this market. Yeah. Uh, I think those are those are the top five. And then you get Zay Flowers. Uh, I liked him a lot more two, three weeks ago. Sam Laporta, by the way, is on track to have the greatest rookie tight end season <laughs> history uh and is 40 to 1 to win this award and still probably no value at that price given the ridiculous field uh what's your breakdown of this market yeah i didn't see this coming uh offensive rookie of the year is absolutely loaded um puka nakua man that guy is unbelievable to watch good he's unbelievable um and i get it he has to be behind Bijan robinson because of the potential for volume for Bijan, which may be you know puka's we've seen them bet the most of it that we're going to see all season cup is expected to come back at some point um maybe even soon uh and uh just in general um you know the the rams have a little bit more fragility with stafford potentially and you know uh, one hit away from uh you know not being able to finish the season and on top of that um, you know, you just, you have, uh, enough weapons there that there's going to be a sharing of the volume. Uh, so I get it why he's third, but it is crazy considering what he's already done. Like he's already banked an incredible season and we're yep. four weeks in, um, the CJ Stroud hype and love that we've seen to this point and the, you know, him rising to market favoritism off of two 20 plus point wins makes sense to me. Um, I kind of teased a minute, you know, like a, minute, a moment ago, like, I'm having trouble rating this Texans team. Um, they are dealing with uh, pretty aggressive injuries across the entire offensive line. It has not mattered at all. There is something about the way Bobby Sulowick is is scheming his offense in conjunction with C.J. Stroud's ability to avoid pressure that two weeks in a row now, he has been 
completely clean, zero sex. Uh, it is incredible to kind of try to understand how they're doing it. I don't have an answer. Uh, I just know that if CJ Stroud is, is you know, if the game is, you know, is going slowly enough for him that he can cleanly process and avoid pressure against the likes of TJ Watt and company, um, then there's really not any expectation that it's just this performance is going to fall apart at some point. Uh, you've seen emergence now from uh, two weapons on that young receiving group with Nico Collins and Tank Dell looking like real players in this league. Um, I, you know, the expectation for the Texans before the season was, well, maybe if they can protect CJ Stroud, he won't, you know, he'll be fine. Uh, but this is a team that's going to really lean on the running back and Damian Pierce could have 30 attempts a game. No, that's not the way they're playing at all. They, this looks like a, a pretty kind of more of like a Shanahan type of system than I would have expected they could get off the ground with this group of players this quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's the key thing, I think, to watch is what happens as some of the offensive linemen return. Um, and, uh, you know, is it sticky here to understand that uh, C.J. Stroud can avoid pressure? Because if he can, and the schedule is as soft as it is, then they could compete for uh, an AFC South title. And, uh, you know, certainly this week, the betting market is uh, in love with the Texans as they have come down from plus three to uh, pick them in some spots. Yeah, I think the way to approach pricing this market is one, it runs through CJ Stroud because he's the quarterback who's playing uh, at a pretty high level at the moment. So if you just get a 50th percentile outcome from Stroud, how often does he win? And to me, he wins a significant amount of the time. If he just hits his baseline from here and look through yeah. four weeks, he is 14th among quarterbacks in EPA per play, 15th in success rate, 15th in PFF grade, 22nd in completion percentage over expected. So he's been about the 15th best quarterback in football, and that's including a week one clunker against Baltimore's first game where he's terrible. Past three weeks, he's been fifth in EPA per play. This is having no offensive line whatsoever. Now, there's backups getting injured, so now it's the backup to the backup. Laramie Tunsil will come back. Titus Howard presumably will come back, and the offensive line situation will get better against what is a very easy schedule the rest of the way. And so if Stroud can do this with no offensive line, uh, and look, there are some question marks where I think he's getting a little bit lucky and his completion okay. percentage hasn't been great, but I think that should be balanced out somewhat by the schedule and by the offensive line getting healthier and better. So I think Stroud is more of a bet on than a fade at plus 175, which is crazy because Bijan and Puka and A-Chan are so good. The only guy who I dismiss at his current price point is Richardson at plus 650. I just don't. Uh, I, th- I would maybe even have him behind A-Chan. Here's the thing with A-Chan. If A-Chan just starts getting like 75% of the carries in the yeah, might. football, yeah. then all of a sudden maybe he just wins the award uh, and because apparently he can just break 50-yard runs at will. And then I don't really know what will happen to Puka Nakua's role when Cup comes back. There's just a lot of uncertainty. But I think the most stable thing is that if Stroud just continues playing as he has, then it's just so hard to beat him. And I think the only guy probably with the realistic ceiling to do so is Bijan, if Bijan is a top two running back in football and leads the Falcons to the playoffs in spite of his quarterback situation, maybe that can overcome Stroud being a you know a rock-solid average quarterback in the NFL. But yeah, I think this market is actually fairly well-priced at the moment, which usually isn't the case when there are so many candidates in the field. But 
I think it's it's reasonably priced. I would probably bet on Stroud at plus one seventy five would be uh, the bet that I would make if I had to make one. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, no that that checks out. And I guess the part of the equation that maybe I'm missing uh, with my commentary is they've been in two really favorable game states now two weeks ago, yeah. right? You know, some of the story might be different if they find themselves down two scores with this offensive line. Um, and so I think that's kind of the maybe the key in terms of finding a handicapping angle on the Texans broadly. Uh, if this team is winning, they should be able to put away a win. Uh, if this team is losing, then maybe we see the worst of Stroud. Um, and, uh, you know, just in general, rookie quarterbacks are going to have ups and downs. I'm not really ever going to bet into a market after a guy gets two 20 wins and he's at the, you know, he's the market chalk. I think there's, you know, there's uh there are enough really good candidates at the top that this could flip a couple more times before we get to the finish line. So I think, um, you know, maybe uh, let's, uh, let's say the, uh, the Texans don't come out and do well to start against the Falcons uh, and he's forced into comeback mode and he throws a couple picks to AJ, you know, Terrell or Jesse Bates. Um, then all of a sudden uh, I'd be more inclined to get him in the plus 250, plus 300 range after a bad performance, knowing that uh, the Texans overall are going to get better as we get to the later part of the season. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because I agree. I don't like, I think he is plus 175 minutes, 36%. I think he's more than a 36% chance to win the award. But at the same time, I agree that you're probably better off waiting and getting more information because there are so many contenders in the market that he can't just plummet to minus 200 that quickly when there are so many guys who are so good. And so you're probably better off waiting and then maybe even betting plus 125 when he's fair price minus, you know, 170 or whatever. I think you're probably better off waiting on Stroud, even though I do think the price is a little big at the moment. Okay, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening as a podcast. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jake Groucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.